humbug. Welcome to Two Old Farts Talk Sci-Fi. I'm David Clank. And I'm Troy Harkin. And this is our A Christmas Carol episode. This is our first episode of Season 4. It is scheduled for broadcast on Saturday, December 24th. Can you believe it, Troy? Season 4. It's unbelievable. We do not have a special guest for this episode. Before that, Troy will give us a spoiler alert. I'm going to press this special Yuletide spoiler alert. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Thanks, Troy. We are recording this session via Zoom. Uh, Two Old Farts Talk Sci-Fi is a look back to when we fell in love with the speculative genre, to recall these times with fondness and affection. I've uh, found two uh, little reviews about A Christmas Carol. The first one is by Roger Ebert on the 2009 version, Disney's A Christmas Carol that was animated that starred Jim Carrey. This is what Roger Ebert said. Disney's A Christmas Carol by Robert Zemeckis and Charles Dickens, of course, is an exhilarating visual experience and proves for the third time he's one of the few directors who knows what he's doing with 3D. And when it comes to the 1951 movie that we'll spend a bit of time on, a Donald Clark Classic. from the... Yeah, that's a classic. Donald Clark from the Irish Times from Thursday, December 15, 2016, said the following. There is out there on YouTube a video that mashes 400 adaptations of A Christmas Carol into one impressively cohesive telling of that indestructible story. Consider also that every second officially unrelated Christmas movie Fitz Dickens' template, a disillusioned grump, is won over to the joys of Christmas. Something similar happens to Jennifer Aniston in the current office Christmas party. In It's a Wonderful Life, George Bailey begins as Bob Cratchit before turning into Ebenezer Scrooge. Naming any yeah. one version... Yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to interject in there. Uh, David, that, yeah, it occurred to me today, you know, what you were mentioning about It's a Wonderful Life, how it's kind of an inverted Christmas carol. We have a generous, happy protagonist in George Bailey who begins to take a turn and then requires supernatural intervention on Christmas Eve to save his life and or soul. Yeah, it's certainly a similar story and it's a similar theme and a lot of these kinds of Christmas uh, or and these kind of holiday films uh, do that. In fact, A Christmas Carol would be the same if you actually had it run from, you know, in a correct time sink from when he was yeah. young up until, but they start with the end of the story or before the end of the story, then, then have him retell or, or see what's happening. But anyways, we all know the story. Um, yeah. and as, um, Donald Clark continues, naming any one version as the best is therefore fraught with peril. A busy t- 
Dickensian could live a life of Christmases without fully absorbing the hip-hop carols, puppet carols, sitcom carols, and animatronic carols. Let us cautiously venture that Brian Desmond Hurst's 1951 retelling is the best British live-action film version. Will that do? On to a Christmas carol. Troy, you want to give some background and give some history. Set it in context before we get into a full discussion, don't you? Well, I, I do, I do. Okay. But I, I wanted to, I wanted to check in with you, Dave, uh, and 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 also, you know, a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, all that to our listeners. Um, you know, because it, it's good to be back. Um, I was going to say it's good to be back just briefly or it's good to be briefly on our backs, but what it's just good to be here. Um, Dave, do you have a favorite Yuletide libation? Um, my favorite one is um, uh, the one that you only get at Christmas, like in the stores. It's not year round. Um, uh, you have to just find it then. Uh, eggnog. Oh yeah, okay. I was going to ask you about rum and eggnog if you are, if you do that at all. I'm not sure how often I've actually put rum in my eggnog. I may have done that once or twice, but almost always it's just whatever it is, whether it's Beatrice or whatever, whoever the company is that that produces the yeah. uh, eggnog. Um, that there, there's a specific uh, place in the store that I go to where they've got the eggnog, and I make a beeline to it. Uh, grab my and go through several of them during the holidays. I sort of get into a. I'm, I'm sort of addicted yeah. to eggnog. Oh, you and Brian Wilson. There's a famous picture of Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys in the studio, and in this picture, he has four cartons of eggnog opened at the top, like not just like a little bit to pour it, but opened as a full square, and he's got straws in each one. Wow. <laughs> yeah, like that that is hardcore eggnog drinking. Well, that's uh, using your eggnoggin. That's right. Thank now don't you. You, of course the show uh originates from the Great White North Canada. Um and so everything up here has bilingual uh uh presentation in the stores. So I wish that eggnog was actually called chicken milk as it is in French. You know, I would just love to, it's, it just sounds so absurd. Chicken milk. I see these people like milking chickens, like, you know, having to like get under there and just like milk these little chicken teats. Um, but lait du poulet or lait de poule sounds much more exotic than chicken milk. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I will say I'm a Bailey's guy at Christmas time. Oh yeah. Like oh yeah. Little- like little Bailey's. And a few years ago, when Christy and I were in Manhattan, we visited, visited a place uh, that's kitty corner to the New York Times building called the Beer Authority. And they sold this amazing Christmas cider uh, by a brewer out of Buffalo called Mackenzie's. And it had a great, it was like a Christmas um, cider and it had a great cherry cinnamon flavor to it. Um, how about, oh, wow. uh, do you, yeah, do you have any like Christmas uh, culinary favorites? favorites well it's nice that you mentioned the cider because we hosted a mahjong and one of our friends uh gunnar uh, who happens to be the husband of 
one of our guests that we had before, Maya Wentz, um, who did the back to school special with us. Right. Um, he is known for his chocolate, but he also brought the makings and, and made some, uh, uh, cider, some apple cider. And that was oh, nice. really tasty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a fan of both mincemeat tarts as a mm. sort of a dessert type of thing. And, um, again, this is sort of a Canadiana thing, uh, tortier, um, which if, if folks don't know, it's sort of <clears throat> a, uh, it's a meat pie, but it's, um, particular to Quebec. Um, and yeah, it's uh, a real sort of Christmas season thing that, um, I think I'm the only one in the house who eats it now, but I'll pick one up. Uh, oh, we know, do our tortier. We do our St. Hubert. Oh, so tortier. good. Yeah. We keep it in the freezer and then we heat it up and, and so on. I also like shortbread. Um, like my oh, shortbread. Yeah. Yep. Well, and you know, this is all part of keeping Christmas well. And Dickens reminds us that that's an important thing. Um, but before we uh, get going on to a Christmas carol, uh, I've got a question for you, David. Why do the British pronounce clerk as clock? Clark. Clearly, that's an E and not an A. And they do the same thing with Derby, which they pronounce they'll, they'll Darby. Say, yeah. Now, yeah, yeah. Look, I think we would, the only person to add, we may have to go back in time, but I'm not sure if she's alive anywhere, but we may have to ask Deborah Carr about that. Yeah, it always throws um, me when I start to watch um, A Christmas Carol and he refers to Bob Cratchit as his Clark. Like yes. He's Bobby, like he's Bobby Clark. <laughs> you know, used to confuse me, or his, or his Clark Kent. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine if Clark Kent was was spelled C L E R K, but it's Clark? Yeah, yeah. That would be very odd. Yeah. Well, should we move on? Yeah, if you wanted to um, do your history of a Christmas Carol, then. Unless I've gone back in time and I've somehow, (laughs) somehow in our little conversations have gone into it. But I think there have been so many versions and there's a long history, even though I'm sure you will do a nice version, nice version of, of, um, you know, letting us know the history of it in a, in a very quick fashion. Um, I always look forward to this part of the show is, is your, your, you know, this is still one of my favorite parts is when you get into a bit of the history of what we're talking about. And then we get into our discussion. All righty. Charles Dickens was born in Portsmouth, England on February 7th, 1812. As a boy, he was entertained by his governess, Mary Weller, who enacted nighttime ghost stories for him. During his adolescent years, he was drawn to the theater and British pantomime. It was theater that first attracted his creative passion. After turning his attention to writing, Dickens maintained his strong ear for dialogue and prose that lent itself to public recitals on stage. He first published his novels, The Pickwick Papers, Nicholas Nickleby, and Oliver Twist, in serial form between 1836 and 1839. As a novelist, he was fast, imaginative, and wildly popular, able to move effortlessly back and forth between humor and tragedy while providing an accurate social barometer of Victorian London. 
Dickens began work on A Christmas Carol in October 1843. Unlike his previous novels, he did not plan on having it serialized. As a result, he was able to draft out the story from beginning to end. He took long nocturnal walks through London while he wrote the story that November. Dickens described weeping and laughing over the details of the story as it came to him. He finished the book at the beginning of December. The writing took only six weeks for him to complete. It was published on December 19th by Chapman and Hall. By Christmas Eve, the 6,000 first edition copies were sold out. Second and third editions accounted for another 9,000 copies, selling into 1844. A Christmas Carol's popularity has never waned. The character Ebenezer Scrooge is one of those immortal figures of English literature like Hamlet, Sherlock Holmes, and Tarzan that everybody knows. It has been suggested that Charles Dickens all but invented Christmas. The Christmas that we know, or at least the one we idealize, is based not on a true account of Victorian Christmas, but rather the holiday has been modeled after the one Dickens described in his classic. In Peter Ackroyd's biography of Dickens, he writes, It was not yet the festive season that Dickens describes. Christmas cards were not invented until 1846 and Christmas crackers until the 1850s. It was still a one-day holiday when presents were given to children, but there was no general orgy of benevolence and generosity. It was a time of quiet rest. He made it cozy. He made it comfortable, and he achieved this by exaggerating the darkness beyond the small circle of light. It's important here to mention the tradition of sharing ghost stories at Christmas. I've mentioned the influence Dickens' childhood governess had on the writer by performing ghost stories at bedtime for him. This influence was not restricted to a Christmas carol, as Dickens also penned some 19 other ghost stories, four of them set around the Yuletide. Elizabeth Yuko, in her article, How Ghost Stories Became a Christmas Tradition in Victorian England, writes, Spooky storytelling gave people something to do during the long, dark evenings before electricity. The long midwinter nights meant folks had to stop working early, and they spent their leisure hours huddled close to the fire, says Tara Moore, an assistant professor of English at Elizabethtown College, author of Victorian Christmas in Print. Plus, you didn't need to be literate to retell the local ghost story. And this is why, in the song, The Most Wonderful Time of the Year, we get the line, there'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. From the beginning, A Christmas Carol was adapted to other forms. It has been read aloud on stage since its first year of publication and was also adapted theatrically in 1844 in no fewer than eight different productions. In 1901, the first silent film version of A Christmas Carol was produced. These various adaptations have never stopped. There have been a lot of Christmas Carol adaptations or parodies on TV, including episodes of Bugs Bunny, WKRP in Cincinnati, The Six Million Dollar Man, Smurfs, Black Adder, The Flintstones, Bewitched, The Simpsons, and Family Guy, just to name a few. So today, David and I, you and me, Dave, will be discussing a few of the more memorable adaptations. Thanks a lot, Troy. Um, do you have any sort of recollection of when you first 
uh, were introduced to a Christmas carol? You know, I'm wondering if I might have seen one of the weird, uh, like sitcom versions. Like that's possible, but I don't recall that. But what my first memory of the story of Scrooge is would have been likely the 1971 animated version that we'll get into. Um, and it still holds up. And the nice thing about it is it's, it's really <laughs> tight and economical. <laughs> Sounds like something you could say about Scrooge himself. Um, that it's like 25 minutes long. They, they do the whole narrative that quickly, but it's enough, especially, you know, for a kid. So I think that probably was the first thing that I saw. And it was, you know, I, you know, I, I didn't really have any sense of writer's craft at that young age, but I was drawn in, like whatever was happening in the story, even in a condensed 25 minute version, it drew me in, you know, it, it was a little bit scary, but you had to stay with it. And it, it balances the sentimental with the frights and you just want to know where this thing is going and what's going to happen to this guy. Um, so that was probably it for me. What about you, David? Would have probably been in the early seventies, possibly late sixties. Um, you know, around that, this time of year, um, you got all the films, you know, you've got the Christmas story, you've got miracle on 34th street. It's a wonderful Die life hard. and so on. Die hard. Of course, you've got all the classics. <laughs> Um, and a Christmas Carol was certainly on, and because it's such a good version, the 1951 version with Alistair Sim, you could always catch that, you know, it might be on two or three times a week on various stations. And for sure, I would have seen it then, and it still held up even in the 70s, even still holds up today. The effects and the acting and just the whole story, it certainly uh holds up and what's weird is just oh yeah t- um just in the last day you had recommended the uh, 2009 version the jim carrey one which was an animated one that you had said was very good and based on your recommendation you've you've never steered me wrong i watched it and it reminds me of things like triplets of belleville and other really good animated uh films and of course, you write about all of the things like a Muppet Christmas, you know, Muppets <laughs> did a version and various shows have done that. It's almost like Groundhog Day where there's just been so many versions and retellings. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. And I'm thinking with the Alistair Sim one, it was always on like Christmas Carol, you know, at midnight was always on. It was, and I think one channel, you know, like you could definitely find a Christmas Carol. You could definitely find It's a Wonderful Life airing. And it's, it's almost like they, um, now of course, you know, Santa actually comes with his gifts, but for the parents that were up actually putting their presents under the tree, uh, it was a nice thing that you could have that on while, while that was, while you were, you know, doing that. Or I remember like assembling, uh, like train sets and stuff like that at like 1 a.m. Oh my gosh, it was so nice when my kids got older and I didn't have to do assemble toys at like one and two in the morning. <laughs> um, but, uh, oh, I was also going to mention that Alistair Sim, who is, <coughs> is Scrooge in the 51 version, uh, he, uh, reprises his role 
in that animated version I was telling you about from 1971. So he actually plays Scrooge in the animated version. That's probably a reason why it works so well. And I guess by that point, that's 20 years later. So I don't know how much you would actually pick it up by voice, but he would sound a little older, a little probably more like the age Scrooge would have been in the story. Wow, that's kind of cool. Um, Troy, you had mentioned all of the versions and the various things, and you had sort of, I don't know if how much of yeah. it you covered in the history, but did you want to just talk a minute about that? And if some of the ones that I've, sure. I've seen, I can come because I just watched yeah, let's, Scrooged well, I, today. Okay. Well, I've cron- never seen it. <laughs> so go ahead. I, I Yeah, which it's a funny film because it obviously has a darkness to it. Um, but let's, let's, I, let's sort of just go through this a little chronologically. Um, and this is not all encompassing, <laughs> but prior to the Alistair Sim version, there was a, a, a Hollywood version. It was an MGM production, uh, in 1938. We get the first famous sound version of A Christmas Carol, and that one starred, uh, Reginald Owen. Um, and I find it quite good as well, but it's, uh, it's really fast. It has a running time of only 69 minutes. Um, so it's, you know, for sort of the first major production, it's not bad, but it obviously gave room for the Alistair Sim version to build on it. Um, and as we mentioned, that was 1951. Um, yeah. And, and one thing you mentioned about these kinds of things, I've just been, uh, sick with COVID and the cold of the, the flu that for those who, may listen to this podcast a few years down the road back in december of 2022 we thought we were past everything we'd already come out of the pandemic we weren't wearing masks anymore we were not social distancing as much and then let's just say some of that might have been a mistake because there have been more people sick at work and more people catching things and we at the moment we are running out of medicine for children mm-hmm. and other kinds of things to help adults and, and others with um, medications related to cold and flu. And so this time of year, so I haven't had a chance to do be as prepared as you have Troy for this thing. So I did not watch the 38 movie, uh, but I did watch the 51 one again. Uh, now, what was the next one on your list? Well, it's something that I came across today. But before I get to that, I just wanted to mention most of these things, a lot of them are available, if not through streaming. There's a lot of them available. Oh, my gosh. Now I'm losing my voice. A lot of them are available uh, on YouTube. And, in fact, this I found today on YouTube. In 1964, we get a TV film called A Carol for Another Christmas that was written by Rod Serling. Um and as you know, I'm a huge Serling fan. I love both um, Night Gallery and The Twilight Zone. Um, and I've seen a number of his other productions like um, Requiem for a Heavyweight. Um, so I thought, well, I'll definitely give this a look. Um, it was, again, written by Serling. It just had, it's a stellar production. It's like a who's who of people of the era. So it was produced and directed by Joseph Mankiewicz. Hollywood legends. Uh, the music, the score was by uh, Henry Mancini. It starred Sterling Hayden as Grudge. He's called Grudge in this version. And f- it featured Britt Eklund, Peter Sellers, 
Eva Marie Saint, Ben Gazzara, Steve Lawrence, Pat Hingle, and Robert Shaw. Uh, and it originally aired on ABC TV. And as I was telling you before we uh, started recording, unfortunately, it's not super stellar. It's Well, it's not stellar. <laughs> it's a little heavy-handed in the way that Serling could be sometimes. Um, but it was a really interesting take. Uh, it was, it was like set in America. And rather than it being about, uh, a man who is uh, like a financial miser, it's, um, this fellow has lost his son, uh, in a war fighting for the U S and now he's got a grudge, I guess he's very bitter, um, and it goes from there. But I mean, if you're interested in having a, a look at a slightly different take on the story, it's like more a jumping off point from the original. Um, do give it a go. It's on YouTube. Uh, then the next one I have is the animated version that we were talking about. It was released in 1971 originally. Um, it's the animated version by Chuck Jones, the famous uh, Warner Brothers artist, uh, animator, and Richard Williams. Alistair Sim returned to voice the, to voice Scrooge. Uh, many of us grew up with this one as it began airing on TV soon after its theatrical release, and it won an Academy Award for Best Animated Short Film in 1972. And definitely have a look for that one uh, on YouTube because it still holds up it, it, despite its super short running time. And if you wanted to, like, if you somehow know somebody that does not know what A Christmas Carol is, this might be the version to just introduce them to or uh, refresh their memory. Yeah, I remember that one. No, definitely. Because what I've done is just gone onto the uh, internet quickly just to see some of the images associated with that movie, the 71 one. And definitely I remember the Scrooge character and a lot of these images are coming back to me because I would have seen this 50 plus years ago. What do I want to say? The sort of camera work and the art design uh, is very sophisticated. I was really impressed rewatching this. Then we get another animated version. We get the 1983 Mickey's Christmas Carol, which featured Scrooge McDuck as the miser. Um, and Mickey Mouse as Bob Cratchit. And it actually, I, I checked out some of this again. It has a really moving scene with uh, Mickey Mouse as Bob Cratchit, Cratchit standing at the grave of Tiny Tim and clutching his crutch. Um, it, it was like very surprisingly moving, or maybe I'm just getting really soppy in my old age. I did find it a little bit funny that, that, I mean, obviously Scrooge McDuck is named after Scrooge, right? Like that, that's the character's name in the Disney world at large. Um, but the funny thing about Scrooge McDuck, I thought was that it is this really, um, you know, old school stereotypical uh you know certainly possibly cancelable that you've named uh, a tightwad character uh and you've given him a scottish accent <laughs> you know uh which i always thought was a little bit funny with scrooge mcduck the george c scott version came in 1984 i remember seeing it at the time but i do not remember many of the details also it's out there in streaming and YouTube and whatnot. And then we get into the film that you saw today, which is cool. I'm looking forward to talking to you about it, David, because it was your first view. But uh, Scrooged, 
uh, starring Bill Murray as Frank Lumpy Cross, a grumpy TV executive. Um, also had Karen Allen, Carol Kane, Robert Mitchum, Lee Majors. Uh, it was directed by Richard Donner from who had done Superman and the Omen and Goonies. It was co-written by uh, one of my favorite writers of that era, Michael O'Donohue, who had um, written for both National Lampoon and Saturday Night Live. Uh, there's a fantastic soundtrack featuring Robbie Robertson, Miles Davis, Annie Lennox, and Al Green. Um, so tell me, what, what did you think on your first viewing there, David? Uh, well, I don't know why I hadn't watched it before. I mean, I have like stuff with Bill Murray in it. Um, for some reason, Groundhog Day, Groundhog's Day, I had just seen like two or three years ago or four years ago. I just, uh, people had recommended it. I finally watched it and I would, my God, that's such a good film. Um, and I remember, of course, Bill Murray from Sunday Night Live, also from the movie Stripes and the, um, Caddyshack and so on. So it's just great, but I just had had enough. And I, and with Alistair Sims, <laughs> Um, portrayal in a Christmas Carol. I didn't want some other Christmas Carol. Sure. So I just ignored it. So then you, and then I said, you know what? I got to watch this thing. The opening sequence reminds me a bit of Tropic Thunder with all those fake things that they had done <laughs> in Tropic that they were so brilliant and funny. Here we've got Lee Major showing up with the night the reindeer died, which was incredible. Yeah. Then you've got Bob Goulet's. Uh, old fashioned Cajun Christmas, which is just a hoot. You got Father yeah. Loves Beaver. You'll love it. IBC, you will, Y-U-L-E, you'll love it. And then you've got John Houseman being the narrator. And you've got Buddy Hackett as Ebenezer Scrooge, Jamie Farr in a cameo, the solid gold dancers and Mary Lou Retton. <laughs> Like, this is the right. most insane, funny, brilliant opening couple minutes of a film. Like, it's, it's almost like the uh, gold member where they have all the different people playing the, the, the characters where you had Tom Cruise yeah. uh, and so right. on and Danny DeVito as, as, um, mini me. Um, and yeah. it was just so much fun, so much energy and so good. That it reminded yeah. me of it. I, wanted... I loved Carol Kane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Carol Kane is one of the ghosts. Yeah, yes, she's an absolute standout, and that was something that that Alexa, because we were both watching it, and Alexa said, "Oh yeah, I love this moment with Carol Kane um, in it." So there's yeah. so much good in that in Scrooge. Yeah, you know, the nice thing about Scrooge is it is a nice uh, alternative to a lot of the very sentimental Christmas stuff that goes on. Uh, it's a lot of fun and it was a different approach and it was almost like South Park before South Park in terms of how irreverent it was. Um, and Bobcat Goldthwait. Yeah. It was almost unrecognizable. The first thing I recognize, of course, is his voice. Yeah. I think, oh my God, that's Bobcat Goldthwait. Then I look up at the screen because I'm busy working on this episode and other things. And I, I look up and I think, Okay, um, before he really <laughs> changed a bit, um, this was uh, him as almost like the, the, the version that's the business guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bobcat Goldthwait. Yeah, and you know, today it struck me that 
that could have been recast as Rick Moranis because he sort of reminded me a lot of Rick Moranis in um, Ghostbusters. Well, these and kinds he, of stories, almost like Christmas ones, like traitors, you know, yeah. that idea of taking someone and changing their life and then seeing, you know, that traitors obviously is a bit of a different theme, but the idea yeah. that you could take anyone and put them into a position of power or give them this authority and see if they actually change or not. And that's what the theme for these kinds of things are, is about change. It's about right. thinking about the, the people who aren't doing as well as you. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. And that reminds me. Okay. You know what? I'm just going to touch on it really quickly. One of the things that I loved in the 2009 version was that they included the bit about ignorance and want being underneath the gown of uh, the ghost of Christmas present. Um, that was very, very powerful. Anyway, we'll get to that in a second. Mm. But a uh, final note on Scrooged was I saw that an opening day when that came out. And, um, you know, the final number in the song, which I think is put a little love in your heart. Yes. Um, is that was playing... People were actually clapping in in the audience. It was kind of cool. Like it was almost like being at a concert or seeing a uh, uh, seeing a play. You know, it was it was it's cool powerful and emotional that. too. Like yeah. Alexa was mentioning how that's one of her favorite songs, and it's such a perfect moment in that movie for that yeah. song to come on and for people to be listening to that. Oh, it's just it's beautiful. Sorry, spontaneous Beatleism. Um, I have always found that that song and Baby You're a Rich Man, uh, penned by John Lennon, but by the Beatles from Magical Mysteries, who are, man, you can really weave in and out of those two melodies. Like they are very similar, but I love, I do love the original. Um, anyway, just wanted to throw that out there. It was just off the top of my head. Okay. We're going on to 1992. Hold on to my robe, David, and I will take you to 1992. Ooh, there we go. 1992. <laughs> Um, that's the Muppet Christmas Carol. And that, this was the first Muppet movie made after the passing of Jim Henson. Um, and this was with Michael Caine as Scrooge. I really love this film. Uh, I find it surprisingly effective. Um, and it's a good introduction for kids to the, the story. Um, Mojo ranked this as their number two adaptation of a Christmas Carol. Um, I quite like it. I'm not, it would be close, but, um, I don't know if I would have it at two, but it's, it's a well-loved film for sure. And again, getting to see Kane do Scrooge is fabulous. Yeah. I, Michael Kane is one of the, one of the great actors. And this is also one that's been rated very high on Rotten Tomatoes is a 76%. Um, it certainly did well at the box office. Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. 1999, we get a TV version with Patrick Stewart uh, as Scrooge. Uh, again, I have seen it, but it's been a number of years. It's out there. Uh, any thoughts on this one, David? Um, I can't really comment on it. I, I, I had it taped at one point. I had plans to uh, watch it, um, but I never got around to seeing it. I remember that the scene with um, Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come was very intense, especially for TV. Like it involved, uh, you know, falling into the grave type of thing. 
And well, I, I think of Patrick Stewart. I think of him and Data on the holodeck, where Data is reenacting a scene from A Christmas Carol. Yes, and, and he's trying to emote as if he's actually has the emotion chip, and he's actually fearful of of this um, uh, creature, this ghost. Uh, and then Patrick Stewart, as 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 Captain Picard, is actually giving him acting tips about how to actually bring that character to life. Yeah, and that episode was in the back of my mind, and I kept thinking, is there like a full version of this somewhere? And I, I just couldn't uh, couldn't recall. But we then go up to 2009 and the version we've been talking about, uh, directed by Robert Zemeckis, uh, who had also given us Back to the Future, who framed Roger Rabbit. And a few years prior to that, he'd done Polar Express with Tom Hanks. And when that one came out, I found that the technique of... Uh, I think they call it live action capture or something. Uh, it, it wasn't quite there yet. And it sort of like, there was something about the look of it that bothered me. But, um, by the time they get around to doing it with Scrooge, it's much smoother. Mm. And after the initial sort of couple of minutes of looking at it, you, you really get used to it. Or I found I did. I don't know about you, David. Did you find, was, was that an all right look for you? The, the animation that they had, the computer animation? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely for the, um, the 2009 movie with Jim Carrey, the animation was so good and it really brought me in and it just, yeah, I, I definitely agree with the Roger Ebert because he gave it four stars. That this, yeah, and, and uh, mm-hmm. this version, I'm so glad that you recommended it and said, "Hey, you got to see this." And you had even mentioned, I think, that you thought that this may have been your favorite of the, if not in your top two of the Christmas uh, Carol adaptations. Yeah, I, you know, I avoided it at first, and maybe like you did, um, because um, I don't know if, if I was making the connection to Polar Express or not. But my sister had seen it, and she raved about it. She like just said, you really have to see this. I know, I know the type of thing you like. And she said, you have to watch this. Um, you know, it being a Christmas carol, you're probably not going to watch it unless it's December. Um, and that's sort of what happened to me. And, and as soon as I knew we were doing this episode, I thought, well, I better check this one out. Um, and yeah, I really liked it. I've seen, I saw it twice, uh, since we started planning for this. Um, and. The one thing I don't know how I missed it the first time. I don't know if I went and made a tea or something, but there's a one little scene that I'm not nuts about. And I've seen other uh, reviewers comment on it. And it's a scene that they add. I don't know why, where uh, I guess it's in with the third ghost and um, Scrooge is being chased by horses because I think the uh, ghost of Christmas yet to come uh, is like, driving a hearse and so he's got these horses with the casket in the back and uh he, it becomes this almost like fantasy druggy scene where he's chasing after scrooge and scrooge then becomes miniature um and it was just an odd little thing now clearly this is all happening through dreams so i guess you can have license to do that but it's the only part where I felt they stepped away from the original text and they were doing such a good job of bringing to life the, the original book. 
Um, and that's my, but that's one little thing. It's really worth a watch and they really do capture the spirit of the film. Um, and like I said, they throw in that element of having ignorance and want the two little children underneath, um, the robe of, uh, the ghost of uh, Christmas present, which was like, there was some moments in that film that are shocking. Now it's nice because like, I don't know how young I would want a child to see that film. But it's not crazy. It's not like it's not like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something. But there are definitely some intense moments, wouldn't you say? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So the following year, we get uh, in 2010, we get uh, the Doctor Who: A Christmas Carol. It was the sixth Doctor Who Christmas special and starred um, Matt Smith's Doctor and Michael Gambon, who was Dumbledore, as as the Scrooge-like Kazrin Sardik. Uh, there are some good laughs in this one. I, I've seen it twice now. Um, there's a point where the doctor refers to Santa as simply Jeff <laughs> because he's on first name, first term. What's the phrase? He's on, what's the phrase, David? <laughs> first name terms. That's it. Right. <laughs> he's on first name terms with Santa, so he calls him Jeff. Um, which I thought was really funny. And there's a point too where, uh, there's a party scene and so the doctor comes running out and he says, uh, hurry up. We have to leave. I, I've, I've just proposed to Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I just thought that it was a, a funny little thing that they threw in there, but a pretty enjoyable episode. Wouldn't you say, David? I think you're right. Uh, sometimes people just have a bit of license or have a bit of fun with the concept or, or, or just try to go somewhere with it. And the more odd or strange, sometimes the better the result. That's right. That's right. And as you, as you remembered, this is the one with the sort of flying fish, uh, not flying fish, flying shark, uh, throughout, uh, some of the earlier parts of the episode. Um, yeah, yeah, very, I, yeah, very good. Very well done. Like what happened with Doctor Who was they did have these annual Christmas episodes. We'll get into this when we do our Doctor Who, yeah. um, a podcast, which may be coming up fairly soon. I like that they also pick up and pay tribute to the whole tradition of the British Christmas pantomime. Um, so it's, it's, I thought it was cool that they have a lot of fun with those episodes, in particular this one. Um, and it, actually, we get a yeah. song in it too. You know, we yes. get that really beautiful song, uh, which is very much in keeping with the tradition of the British pantomime. Yeah. And there was also another one of the Christmas episodes where I think it may have been a different uh, doctor who actually meets up with um, Charles Dickens himself. Um, so, you know, they've, they've certainly uh, um, uh, gone there and plumbed that. Um, you know, that's what their best, uh, best, uh, episodes do is it does get to that emotional moment. And I think they did a good job on that, on that one that was clearly a Christmas carol. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I just have three, three quickies here. Um, in 2017, uh, there was the man who invented Christmas with Dan Stevens as Dickens and Christopher Plummer as Scrooge. Uh, and it was a highly fictionalized version um, of Dickens' creation of the book and its characters. Uh, it's entertaining, and it's a novel way to enjoy 
another side of a Christmas Carol, not a, a strict adaptation itself. And along those lines of sort of, I guess, more of a sequel than anything, yeah, this year and this, this year being 2022, if you were, you know, listening in 2022, although you may not be, I guess, um, was spirited with Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. Uh, again, not an adaptation, but a kind of sequel to the Dickens story. It has its moments. It feels like it needs to be, I thought, maybe 15 minutes shorter. Um, but it does have that great uh, moment, the musical number, Good Afternoon, which you've seen this one, right, David? I don't think I have. Oh, no? Okay. It, yeah, it's a, it's a new one. Uh, it's odd because like it's, it does a number of songs, but it's not like... It's not the type of musical where it's 50% musical. You know, it just, it felt to me randomly they would go into songs. 20 minutes would pass and there's like not been a song and all of a sudden they start singing at you and you realize, oh, it is a musical. Um, and there is a new version out on Netflix now, which I have not seen called Scrooge, a Christmas Carol. They're going with both titles. Um, it's also an animated musical version. So again, I've not seen to it. Um, it looks like it's along the lines of like a Disney Pixar thing, like Frozen or whatnot. Um, that's, that's what I have. Although I was thinking, David, you know, somebody really should do a sexy Scrooge, like not a, not a porn version. Um, that, that likely has already been done, but a sexy period Scrooge, like Bridgerton with a tight wad miser and ghosts and lots of heaving cleavage and tight butts. But I suppose that's sort of what Bill Murray's character was doing in Scrooge, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if they can do that nowadays, but you never know. Or maybe it might have to be Ebenezer Scrooge oh, I mean, like, and zombies. Like we might have to, you know, like all these classics. Sure. But Christmas even when Carol I was, with zombies. <laughs> when I was mentioning like Bots. I was actually thinking, like, for the ladies. I know the ladies enjoy Bridgerton and 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 the bots of some of the male characters. So that was my my Christmas gift to them. Not to be confused with Seymour butts, of course. Yeah, or or the gentlemen out there that prefer butts. So I'm just going to leave that now before we do get canceled on our Christmas show. Yeah. Now uh, we might want to move on to our sequence about these are a few of our favorite sure. words because um, I always like going back to the. And in some cases, these ones are so well known, just like more soup. So in this one, things like bah, humbug. Uh, and there was even a recent Jeopardy episode where they mentioned a certain word that was used so many times in the first chapter of the, of a book. And it turned out to be humbug. Um, um, and Scrooge saying something like that, like, you know, many can't go there. They would rather die. And Scrooge says, well, if they would rather die, they had better do it and decrease the surplus population, which is pretty dark. <laughs> pretty um, cold. Yeah. The, the, the ghost mentioning and that whole, the various versions having that Jacob Marley being the person who's walking around with these chains has always been evocative and has always been done well in the movie. So one of the things is I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard. I geared it on of my own free will and of my own free will, I wore it. And of course there was, sometimes I've used this phrase, are there no prisons when someone said something kind of nutty or something? 
uh, and yeah. the union workhouses, are they still in operation? Like that, that, that whole little sequence where he says, oh, um, put me down for nothing. And the person said, oh, you mean you want to be anonymous? <laughs> and, and of right. course, his yeah. response is, I want to be, no, I want to be left alone. Um, yeah. Good afternoon. God, Good afternoon. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And his response to the yeah. carolers, which is also done in Scrooge too. And of course, him liking it later. God blesses everyone is one of the more famous lines. Uh, and of course, the, the main thing, which is almost feel like th- this whole thing with Dickens and a Christmas carol almost feels like a Twilight Zone episode. So, oh yeah, th- th- this whole thing with Scrooge saying men's courses will foreshadow certain ends to which if persevered in, they must lead. But if the courses be departed from, the ends will change. Say it is thus with what you show me. So the idea is that you have a chance to actually be able to change the way you act with other people, the way you are as a person, as a human being. And that will mean that maybe someone there, like, for example, Tiny Tim, there won't be that um empty crutch by on on the by this chair in the corner of the room that he will somehow get through this you know that if you change your ways you can actually affect other people in a positive way is right, important right uh thing for me it's i mean it's a lot of people's favorite books it's one of my favorite books but the thing about it is that dickens always because you know he started with a love for theater um, he always intended for his work to be read aloud. So he had a great ear. Like he just had such a great ear. And um, I'm always taken back when I, when you start reading this book, it just carries you along. Like there's nothing that you gloss over, you know, it just carries you. It's so well done. Um and I'm going to say this before I forget more of gravy than of grave about you. Like that's a great line. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and he's pushing back against this like phenomena, this supernatural experience he's having, which is, I love, it's like, it shows you that, you know, he doesn't give in right away. Right. It's like this, this guy has some backbone um, from and the way the story begins. I'm just going to read the, I guess the first paragraph. Um it's just, it's, it's wonderful. First of all, the first sentence, Marley was, Marley was dead to begin with. Like, mm. that's just like, you're there. I'm into the story. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm into the story. Like, thank yeah. you. Like most people can't do that. And to me, like if you can start any sort of story, a novel, novella, a uh, short story like that, like I'm in. So Marley was dead to begin with. There's no doubt, whatever about that. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. Scrooge signed it. And Scrooge's name was good upon change for anything he chose to put his hand to. Old Marley was as dead as a doornail. And, you know, that's just that's just fabulous writing. Yeah. Um, Even if you say clerk instead of Clark, it's still a great. <laughs> oh, did I do that? I guess I did. <laughs> I? Thank you. Yeah, let me insert that. The clock. The clock. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. part of it is, and I'm glad that you mentioned this whole thing about him reading, because you pick up a lot from doing that, from reading the stuff aloud. But also, Dickens himself, from what I read a bit of the history, read the thing somewhere between oh, yeah. 150 and 180 times in front of at various readings that he did of just reading that 
which is not a full based novel where it takes hours and hours and hours. This is still like a novella or whatever. It's still a, a chunk of, of writing, but it's manageable. Like it might take an hour or two or however long it might take for him to read it. But just by reading it, you've got that ability that he had of being able to help. You know, it's like a storyteller, that, that, that concept of someone who goes up and tells a story and just brings you into it. Yeah. And, you know, David, that brings me back to your question about early experiences with it. Um, now, this was not my first, but one of my favorite was I have a memory that CBC used to do a, like a reading of it. And I assume a condensed version or something, but they would do a reading of it on Christmas Eve uh, in the 80s. Um, and I I used to love hearing that. Now, I hope I'm not totally off about that, but that's that's in my brain as a yeah i would want john houseman to read it myself (laughs) just like in scrooge where he's a narrator just have him with his wonderful voice are we ready to move on to our uh our dream casting and schrodinger's cast absolutely do you want to introduce the um the concept and then we can go over yeah and, and almost uh an introduction to us because it's been a while um oh yeah and also let's let's hear that dreamcasting theme dreamcasting yeah dreamcasting baby oh good to hear that again um so dreamcasting is uh this thing that we do where we go through um whatever work we've been looking at and we imagine or reimagine the film if it could have any actor living or dead in it. Um, just somebody that we actually think, you know, would do well uh, in these roles. And the, the roles that we're looking at in particular for, uh, for A Christmas Carol is Scrooge, Bob Cratchit, Tiny Tim, uh, Marley, and the three ghosts. So uh, do you want to lead off, David, with your your first? Okay. Um, well, did you want to go over the characters and who originally starred in them? Oh, sure. In the, um, in the 51 and this is from, film. Okay. So in that version, the 1951 uh, Christmas Carol, which was also known as Scrooge. I think I covered that, right? I hope I did. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Ebenezer Scrooge, as we know, was Alistair Sim. Um, Bob Cratchit was played by Mervyn Johns. Tiny Tim was Glyn Dearman, played by Glyn Dearman. Michael Dolan played the Spirit of Christmas Past. Francis DeWolf um, was the Spirit of Christmas Present. And oh my God, we have the name that, do I take a run at this? <laughs> I would probably say Cheslaw, but I might not. I okay, might I like that. Cheslaw Konarski. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, well, he's billed as C. Konarski, which probably makes a bit more sense in the film. That the spirit of Christmas yet to come. Too bad they couldn't have done it like uh, in Frankenstein, where it's the monster? Question mark. <laughs> anyway. All right. So there we go. So who is your... Ebenezer Scrooge for your dream cast, David. 
Okay, so what I'm doing is I've got them. Usually we try to break these up. So what I've got is yeah. for Scrooge, Cratchit, and Tim, we can do maybe our Dreamcast each as opposed to doing one one at a time. But it's up to you how you want okay, to. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Let's do that. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to do the first three, Ebenezer, Scrooge, Bob Cratchit, and Tiny Tim. My version, what I have for Ebenezer Scrooge is Ian Holm, who was the Ooh, Bilbo nice. Baggins in Lord of the Rings. I think he would – he's a very good actor, and I think he would do a good version of oh. Scrooge. Um, yeah, Ian Colin. Holm is one of my favorite actors. Oh, can we can we discuss Ian Holm first? Oh, bit? for sure. Or do you want – so Ian Holm, I loved in Henry V. Uh, he plays the Welsh character. I forget the character's name. And um, like everything he's ever done, I've, I've loved him. And uh, he was in the Canadian film. Um, oh my God. It's just uh, the great sweet hereafter, the sweet hereafter about the, uh, the bus rack. And he plays the lawyer that comes into the town to set up lawsuits. But Ian Holm, that is a great choice, David. Yeah. And I got Colin Firth as mm-hmm. Bob Cratchit. And yep. basically the Colin Firth from, cause you got young and old of each actor. So I basically had him from the Love Actually, um, uh, film and Era. then Tiny yeah. Tim as uh, I had Macaulay Culkin, who was Kevin in Home Alone, I thought would have been a perfect kind of Tiny Tim. Yep. And maybe yep, I've gone too far. That. I'm not sure. And, co- and- and uh, good call on the Colin Firth because oh yeah, it was Colin Firth who was actually in the t- 2009 version. Uh, he voiced that character. Um, so good call. That's on right. That. That's right. Um, okay, so I'm giving you my top three, right? Um, yeah. So okay, I know I often um, have to finagle my answer for these, but the first person that came to my mind was Pete. Postal weight. Um, I don't know if you recall him or the actor. Uh, I, I always think of him as Romeo, uh, as the priest in Romeo and Juliet, the Boz Lerman version. Very tall, gaunt Irish actor, I believe. But sorry, <laughs> but I then realized Richard E. Grant is the man that I want. Mm. Uh, Richard E. Grant, who is in one of my favorite films of all time, um, with Nolan I. Um, He's already curmudgeonly. Even at that age, he would have made a great Scrooge. And see, I like a gaunt Scrooge, which is why I really like the look of Jim Carrey's Scrooge in the 2009 version. Um, as much as I really do love the Alistair Sim, I actually like the way he looks in the animated version because he is tall and gaunt. And to me, that suggests like, you know, this guy is not going to eat any more than he ever needs to because that would be spending too much money. You know, he would not do that. Um, so I, I love seeing a gaunt uh, Ebenezer Scrooge. My Bob Cratchit. Um, I wanted to say Martin Freeman, but then I thought, I say Martin Freeman for almost every dream casting we do. So I thought, give him a rest. Um, go to the bullpen. Let's get another arm in there. I went with Reese Shearsmith um, from the League of Gentlemen. Um, he has a similar look to Martin Freeman. Uh, he's just got a very, um, pleasant face and manner. Uh, so anyway, I went, I went with Reese Shearsmith also from, oh my gosh, I'm not even going to say I went with Reese Shearsmith. 
Tiny Tim was tough because I wanted a British child. Uh, every every child that kept coming to mind was not British. Um, so then I thought of, uh, just in brainstorming, I thought of Jack Wilde, who was the Artful Dodger in the 1960s version of Oliver. Um, Steve Marriott, who was also a child actor before joining the Small Faces, uh, also had played the Artful Dodger, thought about him. And then, I guess because I was now going to a musician, Steve Marriott, it hit me. Ringo Starr was a sickly child. And Ringo Starr also, post-Beatles, did a lot of acting. So I thought, let's go back in time, because that's what happens in A Christmas Carol. Let's go back in time and get Ringo Starr as a sickly child to be Tiny Tim. So there you go. Wow. That's, That's my first three. Yeah, and for me, one of the things I like Richard E. Grant in, if you want to go back to him for a minute, was a movie with Melissa McCarthy called Can You Ever Forgive Me? Oh, she's yes. forging things, but he is so good in that movie. And that's from yeah. 2018. Oh, that is, I love that film, David. And mm. one of the things that drew me to it was I saw some reviews from England where they said, you can imagine the character that he played as being the same character from with Null and I from 1987 or 1988, which I don't know if you've ever seen with Null and I, but it's so funny. Um, and he plays that same sort of scoundrel uh, type of um, character. Um, anyway. Yes. Yes. Well, well Richard E. Grant is one of uh, Lex's favorite actors. Yeah, oh, he's brilliant. All right. So I'm going to go he, on to the next ones. Oh, no, go ahead. No, that's it. I guess. Uh, oh, Okay, oh, I'm gonna on. go. Did we do a Marley? No, because we do six and and. Okay, okay, then. Uh, that's fine. These were the six that you chose. That's fine. So, yep, no problem. Um, I've got so for the past, present, and yet to come. These are the three spirits of Christmas, and what I've got is the first one is the one from the <laughs> past is Jerry Orbach who was Lumiere <laughs> in Beauty and the Beast, partly because, and what was nice about the animated 2009 oh, yeah. one is it's closer to the actual book because it has the Ghost of Christmas Past. is supposed to have yes. this burning head and this, yes. this uh, thing that puts out the, cap, the, the, the thing. The cap. The, co- the conical cap, yes. Yes, yes. And that was done so well in that 2009 animated um, film that I thought, well, why not have Lumiere and Beauty and the Beast. Oh, nice. The oh, I like the of, so I went with Jerry Orbach. Now, when it comes to the ghost oh. and the spirit of Christmas present. I just want to say, David, of, I, just, I, yeah. I just want to say, I like the way your brain works there. I miss doing these with you. Yeah. Um, so and for yes, a dream? that was, oh, oh, just real quickly. Sorry, one more time there. Which, with yeah. That is when that point in the film where we see uh, the spirit of Christmas past in the 2009 version. That's when I realized. I'm in. I'm sold. I'm there. Okay. They took the time to do it right and to yep. do something like that was quite amazing. So, okay. So, uh, I was stop really interrupting. Impressed. No, no, don't worry. So, I've got for my dream cast for the, oh. the Spirit of Christmas present, which when you have a sense of that character who has done so well in the 51. You got this guy with this beard. You got someone who almost seems like he's the harvest guy. Like he is the father kind of like father christmas almost 
and hence the Christmas present is like a present. So I was thinking of Brian Blessed from as Augustus and I Claudius, and also a large actor who was Robert Baratheon in Game of Thrones. Mark Addy is sort of this larger than life, bigger bearded actor that, that is would genius. fit in perfectly. Yeah, and he's also uh, he was also in Henry V and was in a number of the uh, Kenneth Branagh um, Shakespeare productions. Yeah, that is inspired, David. Good call. Well, wasn't wasn't Brian Blessed Hawkman in um, the uh, He'll Save Every One of Us? The um, oh, Flash, uh, Flash Gordon. Wasn't he Hawkman? Uh, Brian Blessed. Wasn't he in? Um, well, let me t- uh, let me tell you, Mister Mister. Uh, I've never seen Scrooge before. I've never seen Flash or Flash Gordon. Yeah, it's worth it just for the soundtrack because the soundtrack was um, by Queen. Queen yeah. yeah, and it's no, I I, I didn't I didn't, and it's like not like I avoided it. It's just I missed it when it came out, like in whenever that was, like nineteen eighty. And, well, it um, was 1980, so you're right. Yeah, so I've just never seen it on any other format or anything. But I will if I get the chance. Okay, who do you have for the ghost of yet? Doctor Zarkov was Doctor Zarkov was played by Topol. Um, Sam Jones played Flash Gordon, but yeah, Max von Sydow uh, is quite the cast for that film. It's a very odd one. I have a feeling that it might be a film that you might like. Um, let's go yeah, on to the next would. one. Yeah, and I've missed my fair share of films. Let's just put it out there, like uh, a lot. So, and my final one is The Spirit of Christmas Yet to Come, which is the most sort of the scary uh, of the um, spirits. (laughs) Sorry, Uh, I'm looking ahead. I'm looking ahead. I shouldn't do that. So I've got Ray, even though it says Ralph Fiennes, I think it goes, I'd have to check the pronunciation or CMB injury, but I think it's Ray Fiennes. He goes by Ray Fiennes. Yeah, it is, Lord. it is, but he should also, he, sh- he should have worked as a clerk. Yeah, he could have been a clerk. But um, Lord Voldemort and Harry Potter, uh, Ray Fiennes would be someone that would be, I think, very good. So those are my three. Jerry Orbach, who's great in everything. Uh, Brian Blessed or Mark yeah. Addy. But I would have to, if I had to choose between them, I would have to go with Brian Blessed and uh, Ray Fiennes. Uh, no one smiles like Brian Blessed as Hawkman in in that. Oh, I that's think true. Wasn't I might be getting confused here, but wasn't Brian Blessed also was he Gloucester in Henry the Fifth, the Kenneth Branagh Henry the Fifth? Well, he was in Henry the Fifth. I don't recall. He probably was Gloucester. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've always liked him in the, anything he's been in. And so, what do you got for yeah, your he- ghosts, your spirits? Well, I wanted, because of the 2009 film, I wanted somebody that looked kind of unique. Um, and in the book, Dickens does not say androgynous, but he does talk about how the spirit has this quality of um, like both being old and young, which I thought was kind of cool. Anyway, I wanted somebody that did have a bit of an odd look. I thought about Anya Taylor-Joy at first, um, but I went with Samantha Morton, which I don't Mm -hmm. know. You know her? Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, and I really liked her in Minority Report and Sweet and Low Down and John Carter. 
Uh, um, Well, she was also in uh, almost a full season, if not more, of The Walking Dead, where she plays a a scary character in that. Well, I'm, you know what? Now that the series is done, I'm going to finally go back and sort of cherry pick episodes. Um, And I have the final episode and the sort of Talking Dead after it and the uh, red carpet. I'm I'm all set to do that soon. yeah, really liked her. Okay, so Ghost of Christmas Present. So I was looking for Jovial. Uh, I had three people in mind. Um, one was Brendan Gleeson, who has just been nominated uh, for Best Actor for the Banshees of Inisherin. Uh, mm. Great film, by the way. If anybody is, if it's if you're listening to this and it's current, um, that film is fabulous. It was nominated for eight Golden Globes. Uh, this week um, and it is a fantastic film yeah Alexa and, and I have it on our list for sure yeah um, so I th- I thought about him I was torn between these two though John Candy who to me is Mr. Jovial and I mean obviously we all love him mm-hmm. but he's already into great Christmas films in Home Alone and, well, not Christmas, but I guess a holiday film, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Mm. Um, bigger than life. But I think I'm settling on Nick Offerman. Um, you know, if we were doing this as a stage production, I could have both John Candy and Nick Offerman. And, it, you know, if you were lucky, you'd get to see, you know, either one of them in the role. But I'm sticking with Nick Offerman. Um, and I guess that takes us to the ghost... Spirit of Christmas yet to come. Um, for me, the requirement was uh, height. So I went with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is my uh, my ghost because he'd be really haunting, looming over you, this gaunt figure. And that's my dream cast, David. We're on to the screen and to Schrodinger's cast. Our Schrodinger's cast, unlike our dream cast, where we think this is the best thing that we could do with people living or dead, it's um, all over the place or potentially is all over the place. Um, And it's gotten wilder and wackier. And uh, I, in the past, uh, I don't know, a few episodes have gone to total randomness for my choices. Uh, Anything else you want to say about Schrodinger's cast? David? Yeah, sometimes there's things that connect them, like ah, uh, yes. maybe they're all from the World Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, they were all or the Brady the, Bunch, or the Brady Bunch, or what have you. Um, or maybe they're yes. famous scientists from the past, like whatever it is. There's something that some thread. That's right. It doesn't always have to be, but it can. No, um, and sometimes, yeah, you 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 tend to be a little bit more prone to the theme, and. And as I was saying, I've now gone into more total randomness. Right. So I'm going to start with my first three, which are the Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge, Bob Cratchit, and Tiny Tim. And what I've done is I have taken people who, in some cases, have gone on to acting, but are all who have won at least, whether it's a bronze, silver, or a gold in the Olympic Games. So what I did was I started with Buster Crab who won the gold medal in the 400-meter freestyle in 1932. So Buster Crab is Ebenezer Scrooge. Um, I've got Johnny like Weissmuller, 
who is who won the gold medal in the hundred meter freestyle in nineteen twenty four, Johnny Weissmuller as Bob Cratchit. Now maybe you'd be a rather big Bob Cratchit, but he's my Bob Cratchit at the moment. Oh, I could just um, and I can see him mourning mourning over uh, Tiny Tim with his like. Oh, 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 oh. Well, it was some of those films they had his son, and didn't he call him boy or something like that? Yeah, so it's almost yeah, like boy yeah. is tiny. I should actually add boy is tiny Tim, but I don't think boy ever won any <laughs> Olympic medals. That's so right. tiny Tim in this case, no. I have Ronda Rousey, who is known for I guess it's yeah. uh, MMA or or whatever. I don't think it's uh, wrestling, even though she may have done some of that, but I think she was doing some no, you're right. mixed martial arts. But anyway, she won a bronze yeah. medal in the 2008 Olympics for judo, uh, Ronda Rousey. So my three are Buster Crab, um, uh, uh, Johnny Weissmuller, and Ronda Rousey. And Johnny Weissmuller, as we all know, is from Tarzan, from the Tarzan right. films. And yeah. uh, Buster Crab is also from the um uh genre uh world so to speak um where he the, was uh, of course Flash Gordon back in the 30s you know fi- fighting Ming the Merciless so he was uh and I think he got the role of Flash Gordon because he actually won that gold medal uh he was known enough <laughs> that they said hey why don't why don't we have him as hey. uh as Flash Gordon they may and have said, hey. Buster Crab, Buster <laughs> Crab also made a, uh, made a, um, guest appearance on the Buck Rogers show from the eighties. Was kind of cool to see him in a scene. Right. Yeah. Okay. So Schrodinger's cast. Um, so in the past I have used the random name generator 9000, uh, but it's actually in the shop right now. So along with a little bit of help from my wife, Christy, uh, we threw 400 names into a hat earlier today and we just picked names uh, from the hat. So my Scrooge based on total randomness was Eddie Shack, who won four Stanley cups with the Toronto Maple Leafs and played with six different teams. Also, I believe the founder of the pop shop known as the entertainer, the entertainer. clear the track. Here comes Shaq as Ebenezer Scrooge. Very nice. I love it. Yeah. And what was weird is, although this was like truly random, where anyway, I won't go into the process of it, but it, my next person sort of connects to Eddie Shack playing the part of Bob Cratchit from the, from both the Boston Red Sox and the Chicago White Sox. Catcher and Hall of Famer, 11-time All-Star, 1972 Rookie of the Year, Carlton Fisk. I was already writing that down when you were just oh, giving the description. Well, While you were well talking done. about who, what teams he was playing for and how well he was, I just started writing Carlton Fisk before you even well named done. him. And I also, I'm old enough, I'm an old enough fart to remember watching Eddie Shack on playing for the Leafs on TV way back in the early 70s kind of thing. So... Now was this um, a, is this a pre mustache pre perm shack? Because I I only remember the mustache and perm shack. I think he had a mustache and a and some kind of a hair thing. Yeah, <laughs> going on. Um, and so I guess we're on to Tiny Tim. Uh, this one was again totally random, uh, drawn from a hat. Don't say Yuri Surha. 
Don't say Yuri Sirha. <laughs> no, I have no more athletes. <laughs> I don't. I don't think. No, you know him as Quincy and the messy member of the Odd Couple, Jack Klugman, as Tiny Tim. Wow. Well, he he was a very good actor, though. He's he he could pull it. If anyone could pull off Tiny Tim, plus also you've got the like if we're talking about now and doing a film now. After what they did with Lord of the Rings with the Hobbits and and what they did with with um, Harry Potter and the person that that played the the guy that was looking after all the the animals and the creatures, uh, Hagrid, what they're able to do nowadays yeah. with the technology, you can have Jack Klugman playing Tiny Tim now, I believe. That's right, and do a good That's job right. of it too. Um, Alrighty, so Schrodinger's cast. Now, what do you have, got, David? For I've your got ghosts? for the past, present, and yet to come. What I've got is I got the spirit of Christmas past. I have Michael Jordan, who won the Olympic gold in '84 and '92 in basketball. Mm. Um, this is a more of an interesting yeah. choice. Is the spirit of Christmas present? Because I wanted a big kind of guy. I got Harold Sakata, who's best known as Odd Job. Oh, nice. In uh, Dr. No. Oh, right. He actually won the 1948 silver silver medal in weightlifting. And also, I think, bowler flicking. Yeah, bowler flicking. He definitely won an honorable mention, for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then, as the spirit of Christmas yet to come, I have Caitlyn Jenner, who in another life won wow, that's... the um, decathlon in 76. And I thought if you're talking about the that future or, yeah, yeah, how things are, then I think uh, Caitlyn Jenner is a perfect uh, choice for the spirit of Christmas yet to come. Yeah, and who knew that uh, Dickens would lend himself to uh, athletic interpretations, you know, the way that uh, apparently he his work does. Okay, so my final three for the ghosts from A Christmas Carol. Once again, done totally randomly. Uh, my ghost of Christmas past was in the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers, The Howling, and the Twilight Zone movie, Kevin McCarthy. Very nice. One of my yep. favorite actors. And that film, The Invasion of the Body Snatchers with Kevin McCarthy, yep. is still one of the most underrated and great horror and science fiction movies of all time. And real scares and brilliant and psychological. And yeah, I'm pretty sure that he was in Creepshow too, but I didn't really have time to check it out. But I'm pretty sure he is in the Crate episode of of uh, Creepshow. Okay, yeah, there's so also next... a, there was also a film with Raquel Welch called so like Kansas City Bombers or something. Like she was playing this roller. Oh, the roller derby one. Or derby. Yeah. Roller derby, I mean, sorry. Roller uh, derby. Where That's she's, right. She's... She was a clerk. She worked as a clerk for the roller clark derby. For the roller derby, yep. And um, and she was great in it, of course. I mean, we all have a bit of a, a crush on her. But Kevin McCarthy was in it, playing sort of this lecherous owner of the whole of the whole rink or whatever it is, and and not a really nice guy. So um, but Kevin McCarthy can do anything, basically. Yep. Now, true enough. What do you got for Shortinger's no. Caster? For a present, for the Ghost of Christmas present, I was not happy with this one, but 
I did not fudge it because this is the name that came up and I'm going with it. Cause now once I do these names, by the way, I have a master list and I remove them from the list. Um, so it was Elon Musk was the ghost of Christmas present. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Cause again, total randomness. Well, My, why does, why does Elon Musk guard his Musk? Courage. Must? No, no oh. courage. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I've gone too hey. far. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm no. not sure about that one. Um, <laughs> my ghost of Christmas yet to come. And drawn from the hat was his actual name was Bob Hom or Home, but I think you pronounce it Hom, Bob H O M M E. He was on a show. Mostly a Canadian show, although it started in Wisconsin, ran from 1954 to 1988, and he was the friendly giant. So I had the friendly giant as actually that works out because I do like the tall folk in um, as my ghost <coughs> yet to come. So uh, yeah, look up, look way way up, or is it just way up? It's way that's, somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's my and our Schrodinger's cast. And I'll have to say, I have seen my share of uh, Friendly Giant episodes back when I was young. Oh, yeah. And wow, is it possible this is our final episode of the calendar year 2022? It is. That's our A Christmas Carol episode. And it was great for great to be back after our, our couple of months break at the end of the season we are planning on building that sort of in so we're not just going week in week out so we have a chance to catch our breaths and to uh prepare for the next season so um it's nice to be back oh definitely and um please uh check out all the old shows too because we've got a lot of stuff there there's a lot of content remember to catch us on your favorite podcast provider um we are out there on spotify um and please like and subscribe uh you can check out our website where it all began at two numeric two of.ca uh facebook is tooled farts talk sci-fi and we may still be on twitter which is at two numeric two old farts sci-fi um but you know i've actually been listening to some of our old shows i listened to our christmas show sort of to prepare for today and um i guess that's kind of narcissistic but it was fun i enjoyed it dave yeah enjoy your uh your holidays folks no matter what you do um have a good time and uh, enjoy your egg your days, chicken milk or whatever that chicken that's right stuff enjoy is. your chicken milk and remember yeah. days will be getting longer soon so uh yeah ride it out folks i am david clink and I'm Troy Harkin. See you all for our next episode of Two Old Farts. Talk sci-fi.